Hey guys, this is Rick Godwin, pastor of Summit Church here in San Antonio. Thanks for joining us today. You know, we're excited to have you on our podcast. Our goal is to inspire you and to challenge you and help everyone realize their full potential in Christ. Now enjoy the message. Well, I'm glad to see you. We're in a series called Ordinary to Extraordinary, just talking about ordinary people who suddenly, because of some point in their life, in a crisis, God used them to do something that turned out to be rather extraordinary. We call these people kind of heroes. So today's message is a little not so much fun, okay? Because it deals with forgiveness. Yeah, it is probably the most needed, but it's the most difficult to speak fun about or to, to entertain you about because it touches everybody. Sandy and I have been robbed twice in our marriage uh, 10 years ago with every valuable we had was stolen. Uh, I had a man on staff many, many years ago who was taking money out of our ministry account for his own salary, adding it to his salary without permission, and I didn't know it, and then signed contracts in Europe for my books and all. They cost me thousands and thousands of dollars. All of it was irrecoverable. And I could go on to tell you a one and the other. So I am very qualified to talk about forgiveness. And then if you dealt with my father, that was the really big one. And I was able to deal with that as well. So I'm not speaking uh, pastorally by some doctrine. I'm talking about real life experience where you're so mad you want to do something bad. Anybody ever been that mad? Yeah, I guarantee you this crowd has, I know. I know some of you. So go with me to Genesis 37. We're going to talk about a guy named Joseph. Genesis chapter 37, and I got to read a good bit of scripture right here, beginning in verse 1. It says, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. Yeah, daddy had a bunch of women. And, and by the way, just by the way, every one of them had trouble. It, it, in other words, we think, man, that'd be fun. No, it wasn't fun. It was bad. Okay. And he brought their father a bad report about them. Now, Israel, that's the name for Jacob, same guy, Jacob, who was named Israel, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made a richly ornamented robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved Joseph more than any of them, they hated Joseph and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they all jumped up with excitement and joy. No, they did not. They hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose up and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Oh, I know they were feeling warm and fuzzy about this. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually be better in life than us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then the dude had another dream. 
And again, he told it to his brothers. He's either arrogant or stupid, right? Listen, he said, I had another dream, guys. You're going to really love this. This time the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. Well, when he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? Answer is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's going to happen. going to be a long time, but it's going to happen. His brothers were jealous of him, but his father pondered this thought in his mind. Now, his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem, and Israel, remember that's Jacob, said to Joseph, as you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I'm going to send you to them. Very well, Joseph replied. So he said to him, go and see if it's well with your brothers and with our flocks and bring word back to me. Then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. When Joseph got to Shechem, a man found him wandering around in the fields and asked, what are you looking for? He said, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? They have moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him off in the distance, and before Joseph reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him in one of these dry wells and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. Well, when Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue Joseph from their hands. He said, let's not take his life, he said. Let's not shed blood. Just throw him in the dry well here in the desert, but don't lay a hand on him. Now, Reuben said this to rescue Joseph from them and take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, that richly ornamented robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the dry well. Now that cistern or dry well was empty, and there was no water in it. Okay, that's the beginning of old Joseph. Now I go all the way over to chapter 50 at the end. It says in verse 15, chapter 50, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? That's a good thought. Good thinking, boys. So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you're to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to Joseph, he wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me. I'm not deceived. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, which is the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Man, that had to be tough. That really had to be tough. 
It'd be like meeting the girl who took your husband and left you with two kids. And you spoke kindly to her. I mean, this is real stuff. I mean, I'm not pretending anything. I can love and I can hate, and many of you can too. I'm, I'm not just nice. It, that doesn't occur a whole lot, okay? Talking about the power to forgive. So we're now in the fourth week of our series, and you remember that so far we looked at Rahab, we've looked at Abraham, and we looked at Ruth. Stories of ordinary people turned extraordinary by God's call on their life and through God's grace. Remember, they had no idea they were being set up for something that had magnanimous results. They were just in the right place at the right time, and they were nobodies, but God made them somebodies by some action they took. Sometimes it's only one moment in life that God says, I'm using you here for a purpose beyond your understanding and you just never know. So what I love about what we're learning in this series is that God calls every one of us in different ways to rise to some sort of occasion for some sort of important purpose. And many times you don't even know it. So God has a purpose for every one of us, kingdom-sized purpose. And in each of us, there's a hero waiting to surface at just the right time to make an extraordinary difference. So today, this morning, we turn our attention to Joseph. He's a familiar character of the Bible. If you've been to church once in your whole life, you know about Joseph. And it spans 14 chapters in the book of Genesis. Nearly one-third of the whole book is about Joseph. That's a lot of pages and a lot of verses, I think, devoted to one character. By the way, he's the only guy who was a perfect type of Jesus. And by the way, he only married one woman, and she was an Egyptian. This is multiracial all the way back in Genesis. Are you with me? That's for the skinheads out there. Yeah. yeah. So he had Egypto-Israeli kids. Yeah. People don't read the Bible. You know, they just listen to mouths out there. They don't really know what's going on. Old Joseph just had one woman. Okay. He didn't have many. And I don't read about any trouble either. And this is... And this, well, that has crossed my mind a few times, but I thought, no, it looks like it always turned out bad in the Bible. So this this story of Joseph has got a lot of details in it and a lot of plots and twists along the way. I wish I had time to talk about the whole story because there's some really good stuff in here. But for the purposes of this morning, let's focus on one primary characteristic of Joseph that made him an extraordinary hero in the kingdom of God. And that was his forgiving heart. Now, we all know, and we've all had experiences in life where we've learned how difficult it is to forgive somebody. At some point, you know, they did some sort of wrong to us. And for some of us, that wrong, you know, puts some pretty deep wounds in our spirit. Would that be agreeable to most people out there? You know, if you go through the journey of life, you're going to get wounded. That's all I can tell you. There's nobody that doesn't get somebody done me wrong at some point. That's just not possible. And as much as we try and we want to forget, we can't because forgiving is pretty, pretty doggone hard for most of us. Now, I'm not talking about something small. I'm talking about big. 
And it really doesn't matter who you are. I think forgiveness is a real difficult thing to do. I asked T.D. Jakes, we were together in Africa years ago preaching on the same conference, and I don't know how the subject came up, but I remember he was asked a question like, how do you know when you forgive somebody? He said, it's easy. When you think about them, you're not mad anymore. That might take a long time where you, every time they come to your mind or that situation comes to your mind, you burn with anger. But at some point, as you've asked God, said, I choose to forgive so-and-so, at some point, it just doesn't bother you anymore. I mean, ask Cindy if I've laid around in a fetal position, sucking a pacifier, so mad and angry about getting robbed uh, nine years ago. And, And every valuable she had, every valuable I had, gone like that. I didn't roll over and die. You know, God, from him all things come together. The thief shall restore. Uh, I knew enough scripture to say, but was I mad? Is the Pope Catholic? <laughs> did I have anger? Oh, baby, did I have anger. I, I, when we got home that night, I took my Glock and I went around that yard with a halogen light and I would have put the lights out for somebody not real good. I'm just showing you I'm just as normal as you are. And I'm thinking, but I had to come to the realization after a week or two, it ain't coming back. So I had to let it go. But I do remember, I choose to forgive these people, but I hope I catch them. And then that didn't happen. And I, every time Cindy mentioned it or it came up, I had to deal with that in my mind. And I'd say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I choose to forgive I don't even know who they are. I choose to forgive the people that did this. And I can tell you, in a decade later, it never crosses my mind. Never think about it. Don't burn with, oh, if I only had that back. And it just doesn't bother me at all. Can I tell you something funny? This may take an extra few minutes of, of your time, but it's worth hearing. One of the things that was stolen was mine. Uh, it was a very expensive watch that was given to me on my 60th birthday and it was solid gold, and it was very valuable. Well, it got stolen too. That was almost 10 years ago. And yesterday? To, thank you, honey. Okay. <laughs> you want the real story, you, you see her after the service. Yeah. We, we get a call from the manufacturer of that, of that watch that that watch has been seized by the manufacturer because it was sent in for service and cleaning and their computer said stolen. And she's, they said, do you want your watch back? I said, no, nah, throw it in the trash. I don't want it. <laughs> Nearly 10 years. What a cool. Now the, 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 the lady that, that had sent it in, didn't steal it. She bought it from a crooked jeweler here in our city that bought stolen goods and sold them. So boy, what a mess that is, right? But thank goodness, I had never, ever thought about it, never entered my mind. It's so far back there. I forgave them, forgot them, and moved on. And yet that thing came back. I thought it was her, my, my wife's which I paid for. So I was thinking, I am so excited. It's going to, and it was mine. And mine wasn't insured, so it's a double blessing. So if you see me wearing a gold watch when it comes, you know that's a 10-year-old stolen thing that just came back. 
came in 10 years. That was so funny. But my point was, it didn't raise my blood pressure at all because I had long forgiven it, forgotten it, and moved on. It didn't bother me anymore. Hey, you got to move on. It happened. You can't get it undone. Move on. Get on. Don't let something that happened to you in the past or with somebody ruin the rest of your life. I won't give control of my life to the people that stole from me or that uh, falsely sued me and it was thrown out. It caused me grief. All through life, you're going to run into that. People borrowed money, never paid it back. It, you got to move on. I will not give control of my life to them because I have a higher authority, our God who says, don't worry about it. I'll restore. Let it go. Let it's temporary anyway. And some of you need to do the same thing. You need to let it go. You need to just say, God, I choose to forgive him, her, them, whatever happened, right? I, I read this funny quote the other day. I'm, I don't know whoever said it, but it goes like this. Men forget, but never forgive. Women forgive, but never forget. Boy, isn't that true? Don't be looking at each other right now, you know, okay. Well, whether you're a man or a woman, obviously when it comes to forgiveness, there are some major issues there. Would you agree? Well, yeah. Forgiveness is a difficult and delicate thing. But what the story will teach us today is that forgiveness is not impossible. Difficult? Yeah. Impossible? No. And when it's given, it becomes one of the greatest heroic acts you can imagine. Well, that's the story of old Joseph. So we read today from Genesis chapter 37 and chapter 50, which is the beginning and the end of the story of Joseph. But it gives us a pretty good setup of what's going on and how it all unfolds in the end. And what we see is that the story of Joseph really begins as a story about sibling rivalry gone bad. This is what we read in Genesis 37 in verse 2 to 4. This is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Billah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. When his brothers saw their father loved Joseph more than them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Now remember that this is the beginning of the story. In the first four verses, the author of Genesis immediately wants us to know that Joseph and his brothers were not tight. In fact, it says his brothers hated his guts and couldn't speak a kind word to him. A kind word. Hold on to that phrase because at the end, I'm going to show you something different. We're going to come back to that. But for right now, obviously, there's some major sibling rivalry going. Anybody out there got brothers or sisters? You grew up with brothers? Yeah, me too, okay. Or you've had kids like that. Well, I came across this story published several years ago about siblings, research on them. And they did a whole bunch of different research about sibling relationships. And one study they cited was about fighting that occurs among siblings. They said kids... The research showed between the ages of two and four have an average of 6.2 fights per hour. That's 90 fights a day. That's 3,000 fights a year. So if you're parenting little kids, it's no wonder you're so tired and beat up. You know, and I thought about me and my sister. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought about Chrissy and Alicia. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought about Mia and Ethan, our grand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every day, as soon as you break up one, they go into another one. Can, everybody can relate to that, right? But I had no idea they researched this. 
And for some people, those averages don't decrease over the years. It's still going on. So here in Genesis, that sibling rivalry is a real old story. And as bad as rivalry may be between brothers and sisters, it, it goes from bad to worse. The Bible tells us Joseph was the son of Jacob's old age and the son of his favorite wife. So he got rivalry with the women, rivalry with the brothers. It's just bad. So the Bible has accounts of certain men having more than one wife, as I mentioned a little bit ago. And just so you don't get any funny ideas, that's not a doctrine for God's people. It's a description of the culture back then. Well, that's another message for another time. But for today, all you need to know is that Joseph was Jacob's favorite. Anybody in this room have siblings who thought they were mommy or daddy's favorite? But you knew deep down the favorite was clearly you. Of course, it was you. Well, here in Genesis, there is no argument. Joseph is the clear winner when he comes to the contest of being the favorite. Joseph was the favorite. And then the other boys, they could walk in a room. Jacob, would, the daddy, would ask them about the flocks. Have they done your chores? But when Joseph walked into the room, dad's eyes would light up. His face would beam. Joseph was the one that dad would brag about. Jacob knew how Joseph was doing in school, who his teachers were, what his friends' names were. Jacob was a little bit fuzzy about the details of the other boys. You know, in a hundred ways, in ways that most parents are not even aware Kids can smell favoritism a mile away. And Joseph just leaked out of Jacob so that no one could ignore it. So no wonder his brothers hated him. And what made it worse is that one day, Jacob's favoritism took on a concrete form. The Bible says Jacob gave Joseph a richly ornamented robe. Now the meaning of that in the Hebrew is a bit obscure, richly ornamented is a little uncertain. It could have meant with long sleeves, but I don't think so. Most of us are more familiar with the old King James Version that said Joseph was given a coat of many colors. And if you've ever been to a, a Elton John concert, you know what a coat of many colors looks like. So apparently, old Jacob must have bought it at Nordstrom. It was hand-tailored, custom-made just for Joseph. And whenever Joseph wore that robe, his brothers were reminded there's daddy's favorite. The father's love will never come to us like it has come to Joseph. So the robe was a symbol of status, marking Joseph as his father's pet. And that's a good caution for us as parents. Don't, you may in your mind favor one kid above another, but never let it be visible or let it be spoken. This was an open, visible, in-your-face expression of raw favoritism. And the brothers can't stand it. And they hate Joseph with everything they can. And Joseph himself doesn't seem to make the matter any better. It seems like he is so naive just to fuel up the fire of their jealousy. You know, in Genesis 37, it says, we read it, Joseph had a dream. And when he told the dream to his brothers, they hated him more. He said, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose up and stood upright while your sheaves just fell down and bowed to mine. Aren't you happy about that, boys? Yeah. <laughs> and they said, do you intend to reign over us? You're going to do better in your career than us. You're going to go on to college rather than us. 
you think you're the big shot. Will you actually rule us? Yeah, <laughs> it's really going to happen. We could have done this nicer, but Joseph didn't make it nice. And they hated him even more because of the dream and what he had said. So obviously, the sibling rivalry thing isn't getting better in the story. It's just getting worse and worse. And the Bible tells us Joseph's brothers hated him more and more. The hatred grows, and pretty soon it becomes uncontainable. So one day while the brothers are out in the fields to graze their father's flock, Jacob sends Joseph out to check on them, see how they're doing. So he's sent out on an assignment. He says, go check on them. And so Joseph goes. And the Bible tells us in Genesis 37 that while he was still far off, they saw him in the distance. And before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. So hatred is now turned into a conspiracy for murder. Now, quick question. How did they recognize this kid since he was so far away? Did, how did they know it was him? Now, they may not have seen his face, but they could sure see that richly ornamented robe. And they're burning with anger. You know, this, this is what we read in the Bible. They said, here comes that dreamer. Come now, let's kill him. Let's throw him into one of these dry wells. Let's say a ferocious animal killed him. Then we'll see what become of his dreams. Now, they don't even call him by name anymore now. They don't say, here comes Joseph. Here comes our brother. They say, no, no, here comes that dreamer. So it's kind of human nature, a tendency, that when you're jealous of somebody, when somebody has done you wrong and you hate them, you don't like to think of them as a person. You don't even like to think of them having a name. And this was the case with Joseph's brothers. Here comes the favorite. Here comes this arrogant would-be ruler. We'll teach this dreamer a thing or two, or better yet, we might as well just kill him. Well, the Bible tells us that when Joseph arrived, they stripped him of his robe. And notice the author describes it by saying that richly ornamented robe that he was wearing. Wow. So this robe was a big point of contention. And they throw him into a dry well. And originally their plan was to leave him there to die. But the story goes on. The brothers later decide to sell Joseph for 20 shekels of silver maybe to some Midianite merchants who were passing by. They think it'd be better to sell him off than actually have his blood on their conscience. So they sell him off for this meager price, and they soak his robe in goat's blood and take it back to their father, telling him Joseph must have been killed by animals. And of course, Jacob breaks apart. He mourns. He weeps like crazy. He can't be consoled because his favorite son, he believes, is dead pause. Jacob, do you remember, when he was young, deceived his father Israel with the bloody coat of skins so he could feel hairy like his brother Esau. Remember that? So here he goes in and uses the blood of a goat skin to deceive his father, uh, uh, Isaac, sorry. Now, all these years later, he gets deceived with the blood of a goat, the same. He's now reaping what he sowed. Took a long time, but what goes around comes around. You know, if you're disloyal, one day you have some people under you, you'll, you'll reap it in your own life. If you're unmerciful, one day you'll reap it. Usually it doesn't happen in a day. 
Sometimes it takes a long time, but it, whatever a man sows, that and only that shall he reap. And in Genesis 37, it ends with this verse. It says, Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph into Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's official, the captain of the guard. Now, that's a pretty serious example of sibling rivalry. And as much as any of you or me have had experiences of sibling rivalry in your life, or maybe you still do, I hope it doesn't go to an extreme rather than just competing for the attention of someone you love or respect, a father, a mother, a coach, somebody, a grandparent. And I pray for just few disagreements over the year, not 6.2 per hour, but you don't want hate to the extent of wanting to murder your brother or sister, to sell off your own flesh and blood to strangers, knowing that you're handing them off to a hard and cruel life of slavery. Now, if you were Joseph, how do you think you would feel? I mean, I, I, I think this kid, 17 years old, had to be angry beyond words, right? Such betrayal. And I think you could, could such an act of betrayal and hatred even be forgiven. Now, I think most of us would think, yeah, I don't know, absolutely not. There's got to be limits to forgiveness. No, there's limits to trust, but through Jesus, there's no limit to forgiveness. And that's good news for somebody who's guilty. No, there's no limit with God. Here's the thing, and this is why the story of Joseph is amazing and why Joseph is considered a hero in the kingdom of God. Because this just isn't done in that culture. The Bible tells us that Joseph does eventually forgive his brothers. And we read about it in the last chapter of the book of Genesis in chapter 50. It's the closing scene of this epic story. Now, for the sake of time, let me make a long story short and say that through the mighty and providential hand of God, and by the way, many divine twists and turns in this plot, Joseph's life is not only spared, but eventually exalted to the position of second in command in all of Egypt, a position second only to Pharaoh. And Joseph is 30 years old when this happens. 13 years have passed since his brothers sold him. Joseph's life is actually incredible at this point. But do you suppose for one minute he ever forgot what his brothers did to him? I'll answer Heck no, he didn't forget what they did. Wake up and have a coffee. You don't have to actually read the whole story to know this is a huge burden, a huge emotional wound that Joseph carried with him every day of his life until, as fate would have it, he's reunited with his brothers once again. So fast forward to chapter 50. A famine has hit the land. Unemployment is widespread. Businesses are closing no food, everybody's starving, looking for food. So Joseph's family and his brothers are among those coming down to get food. They hear there's food in Egypt, thanks to Joseph and what he had been storing up. So they're relieved to know that their brother, who they sold off into slavery many years ago, now they're shocked. He is actually the highest official in all of Egypt, and they don't recognize him. This is interesting. So you have to admit, there's a little poetic justice. Here they come him to beg for food, and they don't even know it's the guy they nearly killed and sold. I kind of love this, how, it, how God sort of little payback here without any violence. Well, after more than 13, 
14 years, Joseph still remembers his brothers. And despite what they did, he decides to help them. And this is what we read in the closing uh, chapters of Genesis. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds this grudge against us, <laughs> you think, and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? Uh-huh. So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you're to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers of the sins and wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now, please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. Here comes the bowing down. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? I know you intended to harm me. I'm not in denial. But I know now God meant it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. What an amazing guy this is. That last part would be a little tough for me, speaking kindly to them. I mean, you think about this. I mean, Joseph was hated by his brothers, sold into slavery, falsely accused by Pharaoh's wife, suffered in an Egyptian prison, then rose to power at just the right time to save the people of Israel. And, and that's only about 70 people at that time. So he becomes a hero. But make no mistake about it, Joseph's greatest heroic act is not interpreting dreams. It's not about rising to the position of second in command uh, under Pharaoh over all Egypt. It's not even about the feeding of a starving nation. His greatest heroic act was forgiveness. Joseph is the forgiving hero. And sometimes it takes all the power in the world, all the power available from heaven to offer this type of forgiveness for this type of wound that's been carried for years and years. And Joseph had that power. And I'll tell you something, folks, that same power came from God. That same power is available to us as well. And maybe that person is dead and you drive out to a seminary and you make a proclamation over that, that tombstone. I, in Jesus' name, choose to forgive you for what you did. I choose to seek no revenge or hold malice against you ever by the grace of God. Now, do they deserve that? Nope. Did you deserve forgiveness? Nope. And so now you, you, you need to give that to somebody. And I remember having to do that with my own father. And I've done a lot of hard things in life. That had to be the hardest. When you hate somebody with such hatred who was so bad to say, I want you to apologize to them for your hatred. No. No, I would rather French kiss a constipated rhinoceros than do this. No, 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 no. But I remember, I remember it's like walking to the electric chair or lethal injection to the phone to call my father. But I remember what an incredible release it was when I did it by the grace of God. It wasn't emotion. Oh, no, no, no. It was that I had just learned the kind of curses that can come, the ground I give to Satan can come by holding that bitterness. It was about what happens to me, not him. See, 
So er earlier in this message, I asked you to hold on to a phrase from chapter 37. And that phrase was, his brothers hated him, couldn't speak a kind word to him. Notice now in the closing scene of the story of Joseph, it says, Joseph reassured them and spoke kindly to them. That's visible forgiveness. Joseph gives them what they refused to give him years before. Sometimes this sort of kind word can be the most amazing and most extraordinary heroic gesture. Truth is that we've all been on the receiving end of forgiveness, the receiving end of kind words. And as Christians, we know there was once another young dreamer that came into the world like Joseph, and he was stripped of his robe and garment by those soldiers, valuing it so much they didn't want to tear it. And he was betrayed and deserted by his own brothers. It says he came unto his own and his own received him not. He too was sold for 20 pieces of silver. And he's the one who would ultimately say from the cross, your sins are forgiven. You are healed. Neither do I condemn you. He laid down his life so that ours could be lifted up and it wasn't easy. And he sweat drops of blood. The path to forgiveness was a difficult path that led up to Calvary where some of the kindest and most heroic words have ever been spoken. And it was there on that hill that forgiveness was made possible for you and me. Forgiveness that can be received from God and forgiveness that be, can be given to others by the grace of God. So let me ask you, in closing this morning, who do you need to be a Joseph to? Who has hurt you or done you so much wrong that it's been difficult to forgive? Don't you think it's time for God to work in your life to have his extraordinary grace fill you so that you can offer the heroic gesture of forgiveness to somebody who doesn't deserve it, but who really needs it? And I know it seems difficult, because it is, and I know it seems impossible at times, but if Joseph can forgive his brothers and Jesus can forgive us, I certainly think by God's grace and power, we can offer forgiveness to others. We don't have to do business with them. We don't have to trust them. We have to forgive them. Lewis Smedes said this, quote, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and then discover the prisoner was you. By the grace of God and by God's extraordinary call into our ordinary lives, may this morning be a day of incredible freedom for everybody. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. Follow me by visiting the links in the description. I'm praying today that God richly blesses you this entire week.